Shopping chips. <laughs> no, I'm not eating with chopsticks. Meaning, this protein bar. There's no way for mm -hmm. a protein bar with the packaging because it gets melty and the chocolate gets on your fingers. What I saw was the packaging split in two and it was mm -hmm. white. I'm like, so you're holding two white things. Are they chopsticks? Did you see what I was eating out of them, though? No, it was at the bottom of your camera. You heard the bottom I saw of my two camera. white things at the bottom of your camera. Mm, maybe I have two penises. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming Podcast brought to you by Affable Idiots. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michael. Picking chocolate off the table in is because I spit it out. We've got here our regular co-host, Adam, accusing others. Comfort. <laughs> yeah, I, everyone, you've done something wrong, and I'm here to point it out. And our rap regular back for more. Nothing but love for Alex. Burnt Pop Tart Cuisina. How are you, Alex? The Switch 2 is real. <gasps> you've seen it? Oh my god! Don't spoil our main quest. We haven't seen it. Uh, where you can you can find us on twitch.tv slash idiots on Sunday evenings, usually at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, but we finished our Venba barf early, so um, we're doing this early. Get off our back. If you want to also get off of our back and just like consume it on demand, you can do that on YouTube and podcasts on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We've got a couple of things to talk about today, including maybe Starfield. Maybe we've got some Pokemon. Maybe we've got some uh, PlayStation Portal news. But we're going to start with Switch 2. Folks have seen the Switch 2? What? Andy Robinson from VGC brings us this info straight into our earballs. Nintendo showed off tech demos for its Nintendo Switch successor behind closed doors at Gamescom. It is understood. That's according to a new report from Eurogamer, which VGC can corroborate via our own resources. And by that, I mean own sources. According to the publication, Nintendo privately showed invited developers specially prepared tech demos for its next generation games console. One, quote, Switch 2, quote, demo is understood to have been an improved version of the Switch launch title Zelda Breath of the Wild, running at a higher frame rate and resolution than the original game did on hardware targeting the new console specs. Another VGC source claim that Nintendo showcased Epic's impressive The Matrix Awakens Unreal Engine 5 tech demo running on target specs for its next console. The demo is said to have been running using NVIDIA's DLSS upscaling technology with advanced ray tracing enabled and visuals comparable to Sony and Microsoft's current-gen consoles. Although specific details on the hardware are being kept closely guarded, VGC sources indicated that the next-gen console would be able to be used in portable mode, similar to the Nintendo Switch. Alex, you banged the doldrums to let us know that it's real about 10 seconds ago. Tell me all you know. So, yeah, I mean, this is a little bit surprising because prior to these new stories coming out, there had been rumors that Nintendo had showed something off behind closed doors at uh gamescom and it was like okay is this actually real all these rumors happen all the time um and lo and behold it seems like again this is all allegedly we, we don't have any official confirmation from the big end itself it seems like it actually happened which industry like analysts are now looking back in retrospect and are like well it kind of makes sense that they would have shown this off at gamescom gamescom not really known for being a show where you where Nintendo specifically in particular would show off new software or hardware like this. But, but 
E3, you know, infamously uh, blowed up on the launch pad earlier this year. And so it makes sense that like in lieu of showing this sort of stuff behind closed door at E3, they would show off, show it off at something like a Gamescom which is not just equally big, but actually even bigger than E3 was in terms of attendees. Um, what is particularly shocking about this new story is that um, the Switch successor seems to be as powerful as it is. We had known ahead of time, based on prior leaked information, that the Switch was at the very least going to be comparable to, say, the PlayStation 4. But this would suggest that it's actually a little bit more powerful than that. Now, of course, by the time that this releases next year, it's probably going to be outmoded by the PlayStation 5's enhanced version and whatever Microsoft is going to do with the Xbox. So it will still be playing catch up in that regard. But like, this is more of a jump than I think most of us were expecting, especially when you, you know, consider that the Matrix Awakens demo was shown on it. Adam. Thoughts? Interesting. I think it's a smarter, again, you know, specs aren't final, yada, 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 all that good stuff. But the idea of using, you know, DLSS or basically like using some sort of up-res technology to make your thing more powerful just makes a lot of sense. Like on PC, it's great. Like you don't have, as long as you have an NVIDIA card, you don't really need to update constantly because you can just click on that little button. And it's like, we're going to fake it and it's going to seem exactly like what uh, if you had a better machine. And putting that in a handheld console just seems like a no-brainer. I'm kind of shocked that it hasn't happened sooner. Just like, let's fake it, but it'll still look good and people won't be able to really tell. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think it'll be cool. I think keeping the portable form factor makes a lot of sense. Giving it more power, even if it's naturally in or faking it, is going to be... I think it's going to be a smash hit regardless. Um, but giving it comparable to... Like, if you have a handheld like portable and it's comparable to... like close to a PS5 or like maybe better, a little bit better than an Xbox Series S or something, like you're great. Because then at that point, it doesn't matter for Nintendo because they sell based on exclusives. But being able to get, you know, relatively current gen stuff, I think is a good is a good plus, you know? Just like as part of a consumer, like, oh, I can actually play the new video game that came out on the Nintendo now, which I know they're, they've done it, but it's like, it's never the best way to do it. Um, so I think getting that closer is probably better as consumer, you know, a better consumer move. So we'll see next year, apparently, but I think it sounds good from what the reports are saying so far. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little skeptical. I don't like Nintendo has never been known for technical advancements. Like they've had like innovation in terms of like input and that kind of stuff with Wiimotes and the N64 controller and rumble packs and all that kind of stuff. But but you, I mean, you even called it out. The fact that nobody's doing this, you know, the DLSS, the super sampling and all that kind of stuff in a handheld already. And Nintendo's going to be the first person to do that sounds uncharacteristic to me. And if PlayStation, we'll talk about this a little bit later. If PlayStation's putting out basically just a screen with a controller on it without actual innards to run their handheld for 200 bucks and nintendo has somehow made a portable thing that runs comparable to a playstation 5 probably not quite as powerful but like comparable that seems unrealistic to me especially at a price that nintendo would sell their console at because even if you think of like steam steam deck as like a likely competitor or an analog to this like even that is 
what is that? It maxes out at like 800 bucks or something like that, but that's storage and screen base. But even the lowest one of that is like, what, 400 bucks? Something yeah, like that? You're still looking probably four or 500 for. And this would, this would be, again, much improved on that, apparently. Being able to output, you know, 4K probably, I would assume, with ray tracing, mm, advanced that's, ray tracing. I think that's a lot of assumptions. I don't think we're going to get a 4K handheld device from Nintendo. I think they're like, this is cool specs we're looking for, and then they'll scale it back. I don't think the... Whenever we really get the it. The Switch screen would be 4K, but I think docked, it should... You don't think we would upscale. get a docked 4K? I mean, especially if we're using upscale Super 4K, sampling. sure. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. definitely not native 4K. Like Super Sample yeah, yeah. 4K for sure. Potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Again, that's the whole thing where it's like, this is our idea. Your idea and what you actually put out to the market don't necessarily need to be the same thing. Well, with the rumors yeah. that is coming like within the next 12 months, I assume this means dev kits are going out like imminently. I assume this means that we'll probably get some kind of announcement with like a, an actual finished marketable consumer version like being able to be shown in the next six months or so maybe like this seems i don't know it it seems like it is a lot to have in a handheld system specifically if it were something that we're going to be around the size of an xbox series s and it's dedicated to home and maybe there's like a wii u i don't think they would do this again but having like a wii u gamepad peripheral to make it portable in the home i would believe it a little bit more i mean believe it is in quotes because like this obviously happened we have multiple sources saying they showed a successor but yeah i don't i don't know i don't know how i don't know i'm skeptical we we will see we will see i here's what has given me a little bit of faith though that people are referring to it as a switch 2 or a Switch successor, and not necessarily like Nintendo's next console, and that the games that they are using to show it are games that run on Switch already, it, uh, or like that Matrix Unreal Engine. Like it doesn't seem like it has some wild new input method that makes it completely like not backwards compatible. Like it seems like it's going to be much more traditional successor rather than a completely new wild concept, which is I think a good thing for Nintendo right now. There has been a lot of speculation that a Nintendo Direct is imminent, which I know you, you can say it any day uh, out of the 365 <laughs> days that are in a year. But particularly over the last week, there's been a lot of rumor mongering. We think there's any possibility that this gets hinted at, teased at, alluded to in this. No. I'm, I'm in agreement. I think that if this is releasing in the second half of next year, they're probably going to keep their cards pretty close to the chest until then. There's part of me, part of me, and I, I'll, I'm interested in getting your takes on this one, that wonders if we could get some sort of reveal in the same vein as the reveal that we got for the Xbox series at the Game Awards the year prior to it releasing. If you remember, that was originally shown off at the Game Awards. Yeah. It was like that trailer where it's like, what if you could dream a, a million hours or something? And it's like, oh, Xbox console, here we go. I know in the Reggie the days, like they, they had they had a lot of partnerships with Jeff Keighley and like they showed reveal they of did. Tears of the Kingdom, not Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, Tears, or was it Breath of the Wild? One of the Zelda games. Yeah. Was shown off and, and they've had good content there. But I feel like of late, we haven't really seen... 
I think the most notable thing I can think of in the last few years is like there was a, a Smash reveal, a Smash Fighter reveal a couple of years ago or something. Yeah, and Nintendo's reveals at the Game Awards have always been kind of all over the place. You did have the reveal of Joker at the Game Awards. You had the reveal of Sephiroth at the Game Awards. Those were both Game Awards reveals. You had the Tears of the Kingdom DLC. You have Cereza and the Lost Demon, which was also revealed uh, at Game Awards. But then you also have weird moments, like for example, uh, Reggie was on stage uh, with Jeff Keighley at like the 2014 awards. It was like 2013 or 2014 wearing a Metroid pin on his blazer. And I was like, are we cue for some sort of Metroid announcement? And instead what it was, was he revealed that Cranky Kong was going to be a playable character <laughs> That's right. in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. It wasn't even, yeah. oh, let's reveal Tropical Freeze. It's no, no, we've already revealed the game. Let's reveal one of the four playable characters. And it's a geriatric monkey that in the other games would yell at you for being a bad player. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. But yeah. I would not like I don't think there's a shot. It gets shown off or discussed in the hypothetical direct that's happening next month. I would not put it out the window that we could see some sort of tease at Game Awards. Yeah. And uh, honestly, Game Awards now means more than Game Awards did three years ago. It means so much sure. more than Game Awards did in 2015. Like, it, I don't know. It is, it is becoming more and more of a big event that is has a lot of eyes on it that would be a good place to show off something like that. Although I do think that would be a little early if they are... If they're hoping to, I mean, Switch is just already selling bonkers numbers, and it's close to becoming like the best-selling Switch or the best-selling console of all time. And it's like they have more reasons for you to buy a Switch coming, like the Princess Peach game and Metroid Prime Four and these kinds of things. Like, I feel if I were Nintendo, I would wait until as close to launch as possible as I could. Like, even with the Nintendo Switch, they waited until what two and a half months before launch to show off the very first trailer and announced that it existed and then said, wait two more months and we'll tell you why you should get it. We'll I see. We'll I'm see. with you. I, I think closer to launch probably makes more sense for like a full reveal. Maybe they're like, we're working on something and it'll be cool. Nintendo on it and then not actually say anything else. Maybe and the fact that they just announced two brand new hardware bundles for the Christmas holiday season this year, like more reasons for you to buy the switch that's out right now. Mm. Like, let I me guess, is one of those Mario Kart 8? Yes, it is. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Forever and ever. Yep. Interesting stuff. I can't, we're, we're at the point now, like, this is the inflection point where we know that it exists and that they're working on it and that they're showing it. So we will only hear more and it'll start to come faster and faster from here. So I'm excited. Let's move on to playtime where we talk about what we played in the last, like, three weeks because it's been so long since we've had a proper episode. And I want to start, Adam, by hearing all about your PAX. Uh, yes, I went to PAX West, the one <laughs> out west in Seattle. Um, by the way, Queen Latifah singing the national anthem at the Giants game. Uh, and San Francisco Giants or the minor league Giants team? No, the New York Giants football oh. team. <laughs> Nobody cares about football. Yeah, you're right. It makes no Nobody money. Nobody cares about yeah. it. Nobody watches it. Uh, but no, PAX West was awesome. I got to go out there. So shout out to Jacob McCourt. Uh, had me come be on this panel, Game, uh, Game Boy Advance panel. That went really well. And I just got to hang out at PAX West. It was cool because I've been to East, and I'm looking at my old badge. It was 2017 was the last time I went. 
Um, so it's been a long time. Never been to Seattle. Hung out with all the people from the Crossplay Conversations podcast. All that met a ton of cool people. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was really a lot of fun. Got to play a lot of cool games. I'll talk about it in a second. Games that might surprise you. That were good. What was mm. the coolest cosplay you saw? Coolest cosplay was Jeff Grubb. <laughs> Someone cosplaying as Jeff Grubb or Jeff Grubb cosplaying as something Jeff else? Jeff Grubb was there. No, he was just there. No, so I went to the Giant Bomb panel um, and Jeff Grubb dressed up as Batman. Apparently it's a bit... I don't okay. know. I haven't listened okay. to that podcast in a long time, but he dressed up as Batman. That was pretty funny. Uh, but no, there were like a lot of really good ones. My favorite one was I got to take a picture with the Mind Flare for Baldur's Gate. That was I saw pretty that. Fun. That was dope. He was a cool guy. Uh, touched my head. That was fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I got to saw a lot of cool people. Mike Towndro. Got to finally see him for the first time. That was great. Play some of his games he was talking about. But the main things I'll talk about, because at some point I'll probably like sit down and talk. There's a lot of indie stuff there, which is really, really cool. But I'll talk about some of the bigger AAA stuff. Well, by the way, Devolver was there, which Devolver has a great booth. Bought a shirt. I played two games that surprised me. Chad, I didn't take a picture of it, but they had... What are the dumb things from Final Fantasy 16? What's the big fire one with the wings? Ifrit. He was there. Ifrit. You could take a picture with Ifrit. Whoa. Yep. Um, they had a bunch of... But I was like, that's Final Fantasy. I don't care. Get that out of my face. <laughs> Let me go look at this Persona guy. Um, but no, the uh, first game I played that's really big that I'm talking about is Prince of Persia. The two hey, the 2D one. okay was there that not, the, awesome. not the remake that's in development hell and that game doesn't exist okay <laughs> <laughs> no i played the 2d one i forget what it's called uh with the princess persia 2d metroidvania side scroller one yeah that game's awesome holy shit it feels so good to play all these cool abilities you got to block and parry all about these crazy time things i i was legitimately impressed i was like i just want to play it it was like a 10 minute wait sure let's go play prince of persia this will be cool and i was like no this game fucking kicks ass it's really really good i'm very excited for that to come out i'm like no this is gonna be like a surprise banger kind of a thing it just reminds me you know there's like you know everyone knows the cool 2d metroids the metroid dread and dead cells and all the shit i'm like no this is like I see when it comes out, it'll probably be right in that tier. It's like, it feels excellent. It was really cool to play. Uh, and I also played Foam Stars. Hey, guys, Foam uh, Stars okay. actually is, like, pretty good. <laughs> I don't Foam believe Foam Stars is okay. actually okay. I don't yeah. believe. Nah, pass. <laughs> I mean, I, I had heard previously via podcasts, like, kind of funny, that apparently it was, like, pretty solid. And I'm happy to hear that you seem to think Who's the doing same. Foam Stars again? Is that Ubisoft? Who's doing this Foam is Square Stars? Enix. Square, Square Enix. Enix. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the mode they had us play was kind of like a team death, excuse me, Whoa, team death nice. match instead of like the normal, like shoot your foam all over the place, uh, <laughs> Splatoon like control yeah. thing. So we got to jump in. We had four, it's four V four. So we had our people with us and they were like, Hey, we know this isn't the main mode, but it's a cool mode we want to show off. Um, and we played some death match. So basically what you do is you, you jump down into the arena, you still shoot foam and you surf on your foam, you know, you know, Splatoon. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you make big piles of foam or whatever. Everyone has multiple abilities, like a you know, like a passive and an ultimate. You know, you know if you played a, you know, you played hero shooters. Um, and we played deathmatch. And it, the cool thing is, like when you kill somebody, they like get rolled up into a big ball of foam, and then you have to surf into them to kill them, or you can revive them like that. So it's like a little like, oh, okay, how aggressive do I want to be? Do I stay with teammates? Um, and then after you get seven kills, one person becomes like the superstar. And you have to kill them to win the game. And we play like three matches of it. And I'm like, I don't know, this game's kind of fun. 
I was running around with my shotgun shooting foam everywhere. I went under the foam and jumped back out because that was my little special ability. I don't know what's going on in that game. It's a lot of anime weeb shit, but it is surprisingly fun. I was like, no, this game is actually cool. So shocked. But hey, guys, Foam Stars, if it's free to play and we have one weekend, I'll play it for the one weekend. I don't know. Square Enix. Do. I don't know if it's going to be free to play if it's Square Enix. And even That's if true. it is free and they get 20 million people to play it, it's like, no, oh, it didn't meet our expectations. <laughs> oh, of course. That's going to happen. Yep. We should try, if we all really get into it, we should try doing an episode where we like talk over as we play it. Like we go through the news while we foam star it up. <laughs> Impossible. I'll be you too know, busy foaming. My, my In high school, this is almost 20 years ago now, I had a oh, friend no. who had an Xbox 360, loved Gears of War, loved that kind of stuff. I tried to convince him to play Metroid Prime on his Wii. Okay. And he told me, I just can't. I can't get into it. I'm sure I would love it, but something about shooting energy balls instead of bullets is just like, I can't do it. It's dumb to me. And my whole life until right now, I'm like, what an idiot. What a stupid barrier to playing this game. And now I get it. I'm not, I can't, I can't play a game where I'm shooting foam at everyone. It's the reason why I can't play Splatoon. I can't paint people to death. <laughs> like that's, I can't, I can't do it. That's so funny. Uh, no, surprisingly fun. I was like, wow, I'm shocked this is pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff like there. I think um, when you're hearing this podcast, um, Luke Lewis just came on and talked to Vimbo with us on Barf, but he has a podcast called Crossplay Conversations. I'm and we sat sticker. down at PAX. Yeah, getting a cool sticker. Yeah. We sat down at PAX and recorded like a podcast like in PAX, like as it was happening. Um, so I was on that episode, but we talk a lot about the cool indie stuff that we played. So yeah, PAX awesome. Met a lot of cool people, a lot of cool panels. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I didn't see any of the McElroy brothers. That's my only regret. Damn it. Only regret. <laughs> they were only there for two days and I didn't see it. I did get to see all the GameSpot and Giant Bomb people. Like I said, Mike Towndro and hung out with a lot of cool people, um, but no... No McElroy, still they still elude me. <laughs> One of these days. Did you get a picture? My friend sent me a picture from, uh, I guess maybe it was the Nintendo thing, or maybe it was at PAX regular. But like the Master Sword that was out there that you could take pictures with and interact. No, with. the no? Nintendo thing you had to pre-register for, was and trying to get thing? in, okay. unless you pre-registered, was very difficult. Mm -hmm. I know one person mm -hmm. who did it because they kind of like they were an exhibitor and they kind of like forced their way in. They're like, hey, let me in real quick, and like. Two people said yes and three people said no, and he just like, kind of kept walking through. Uh, <laughs> so he was able to do it. Uh, I will say, ooh, a really cool indie game. There was a game called, I think, Ascent. It was very okay. generic sounding name. It's fucking pod racing. They're like, hey, oh. they're like, shout out. It's legally descript pod racing, but it was pod racing. And the idea was that you control both engines with both sticks okay and like pushing okay. forward like powers them up but to turn you have to like power down one engine and like yeah. put weight to like i was like this game is dope as shit and i was like a fucking no one i've never heard of this and it's great so were any of the characters that you could play as in that game fathers by any chance <laughs> i couldn't tell you that i just know that i played as the one thing and i said wizard whenever i won the race so it was uh it worked out pretty wizard. well developers of ascent if you don't have a father character in your game yet by all means include one because that way you can have padre pod racing shut up <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I did play with my feet like I was Sebulba. But no, again, there was tons of stuff. I wanna I wanna make a Spanish cool. I wanna make a Spanish like American Idol, like Spain Idol. Mm -hmm. But it's only for dads. And it's called Padracing. 
Oh. Yeah. That's Get it? good. Let's do more Get pod it. racing jokes, guys. You got some more for me? <laughs> Very good. Um, like I said, I'll talk more about it at one point, but I loved PAX. It was great. It was a great time. Can't wait to go back. Uh, and then I played Starfield, because Starfield came out this week. Um, go on. And I really like Starfield. Starfield's really cool. Starfield 100% is, Chad, you will hate it. Um, it is like, this is a Bethesda-ass Bethesda game. Like It's like, oh, this is like them doing the game that they always wanted to do. And that is everything good and everything bad with it. So I'm like, I'm here because I love Elder Scrolls, love Fallout, all of that. And it's just like, how about we make one of our games in space? I'm like, fucking yes, yes, yes. It is. If you don't like that, don't fucking bother. It is only that, and it's. I think it's fucking wonderful. Uh, so it's a really good time. I'm still pretty early in it, but just like finding all the weird like side quests and all this stuff. Again, it's it's Bethesda, but I think it's probably their best game. Maybe second behind like Skyrim. Mm. It's up there. It's very very good. I'm just running around the galaxy in my Batman um, spaceship, just fucking people up, and it's a great time. On my list of 2023 games I want to complete before the end of the year, Hi-Fi Rush and Starfield are the only Xbox exclusive games that I have on it. And my plan is in either October or November, I will sign up for a single month of Game Pass Ultimate Mm -hmm. and basically be like, all right, I am committing. I have to complete or at least play enough of these games to decide how I feel about them before the month is up. Remember, usually November and December, instead of our regular barf stuff we usually save that as like catch up on goatee time true so like let's put that on your list i'm i will be 100 percent honest in that when i saw the ign and the GameSpot reviews come out and they were both sevens for this game and i was reading through it and the criticisms of it like i no longer have any kind of fomo whatsoever about this game because they just justified the reasons why i wouldn't enjoy it but i am also equally so happy that everyone else on the planet is loving it. Like those, it was the so IGN weird seeing those. Are the it was so weird seeing those reviews and like, oh man, this game sucks. And it was like, everyone else thinks it's great except for IGN and GameSpot. I know, it's like, right? What? So like, I am right. so happy. All of my friends are texting like, oh my god, did you get the Batman mission? Oh my god, did you do this? Oh my god, I'm flying a spaceship made of Cheetos. <laughs> Whatever the fuck <laughs> you can do in that game. Um, so yeah, I'm so happy that like, despite all of the things that I hate about it, everyone else is connecting with it so hard and I love it. I will also, I will, I will play this at some point in the future. And if I hate it, it. I'm not going to say a word. I won't tell anyone I played it. If I'd like it, I will acknowledge it on the podcast. That's the thing is that it does take like two hours to get into it. I said to some people, like, if a game takes 20 hours to get good, it's not It's not that. It does take a couple hours to, like, get through the tutorial part. And then it's like, just play the game how you want to play it. Don't. Like me, I'm not fucking with Outpost at all. I don't give a shit. I just want to run the missions and be a pirate and stuff. Um, but I will say, though, as much as I do enjoy this game, again, and the game of the year stuff, if we do a bracket, I think it should maybe be in that top eight. It is not going to be my winner. I tell you that right now. Oh, okay. I love this game. Not going to be the winner. I've not the yet. more you played new game plus 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 plus. <laughs> I do like the idea of new game plus in that game. That is insane. And I like that idea. I just will say that the more that I play games and again, awesome. I love Starfield. I'm glad that Xbox has a win. Awesome. Yeah. Fucking nothing's touching Baldur's Gate, dude. Like every time I play another game, it's like, it's not even fucking close, bro. I mean, we'll see when we get there, but like doggy. Uh, but yeah, Starfield's good. Enjoy that. If you like Bethesda stuff. Packs super fun. I want to sit down and talk more about that. Um, I loved it. I love everyone who was there. That I talked to awesome, great. Love you guys. A lot of cool games. But that was it. That's all I've been doing for three weeks. Has it been three weeks, Chad? Two weeks? 
Uh, it's been like two and a half weeks, I think, since we did our live reacts to ONL. Yeah. Like I said, I mentioned again, I'm going to be on Crossplay Conversations. That comes out today. Um, we're talking about pack stuff. Also, just congrats to Chad for finally winning um, one of our Patreon exclusive episodes. It took you like seven tries. Okay. But the okay the one with Erica and uh, Asa, what is it? How do you say Asa, it? Asa, 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 Gray. Congratulations. Yeah. To Let you, me tell Chad. you, the strange <laughs> pronunciations don't end on the episode we recorded <laughs> after that one. <laughs> I love that. Well, won't spoil anything else. You'll, you, you listeners at home will learn more as the weeks go on. But I can't remember what's out right episode. now. What's out for patrons? The episode that's out right now is that's Jacob and Luke, the, right? Yes, correct. Rafferty. Oh, Jacob as far as the Rafferty, that's yeah. on yeah. Patreon.com/slash Responding Fire for one dollar. The episode yes. is titled "Adam wasn't even supposed to be here." <laughs> <laughs> good, good title. Good title. Good title. <laughs> Um, Cozy, tell me a little bit about what you've been playing. All these barf games oh, that man. you had to ask us to put on the list, and then you're like, I'm going to play them anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I have... Uh, uh, let me tell you. I feel like I'm pretty bad at completing games. I feel like uh, usually the way that I structure a lot of my game playing time is I'll be like, all right, I'm going to play a mission in Spider-Man here, then I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to take care of some chore I wanted to get to, and then inevitably I get so wrapped up in my chore that I never actually get around to completing the game that I set down to complete. Over the course of the couple of weeks since we last recorded together, let me tell you, I have been busy playing and completing tons of games. First up on the docket, Pikmin 4. Uh, now, I'd previously been playing that game throughout the month of August, but I finally got around to completing it. Uh, although... Even though I rolled credits, I've been told that apparently like a third of the game is still waiting in the post-credit stuff, so you still have more work to do there. Uh, Pikmin 4 is good. You know, it's an incredibly charming game, and I enjoyed myself up until the very end. It's definitely a little bit too on the easy side for my tastes, however. Um, one of the things that this game does is after you've defeated enemies in one of the kind of four areas that you can explore before the credits roll... Um, they basically are permanently erased from the map. They'd never respawn. And that's kind of great for completionists like me that like to know, okay, I've fully completed everything that this area has to offer. But it also means that like the more and more of the game that you complete, the easier that it actually becomes over time. This game's difficulty curve is very weird in that regard. Um, so yeah, overall enjoyed it. Uh, and here's the thing. The game is seemingly selling very well. The Pikmin series infamously has always had a real tough time at retail. People don't really pick it up, but it seems like this game, at least in Japan, has actually been selling very solidly. So maybe for a lot of people, the decrease in difficulty is actually what they needed to really get into the series. And if that's the case, I'm happy for them. But for me, it might actually rank at the bottom of the mainline Pikmin games for me. But it's not like... Like, I'm talking like if... Like Pikmin 1 is like an 8, uh, which would be like my third uh, last from the bottom. This would be like a 7.5. It's not a bad game by any stretch. It's just that's where I think the dust settles. Then after that, I was like, you know what? You know what? We watched opening night live. And towards the end of that broadcast, I was like, maybe after I've done finished playing Pikmin 4, I should go and I should check out Alan Wake 1 in anticipation of the release of Alan Wake 2 later this year. I was like, you know what? I'm committing to it. I'm playing Alan Wake 1 next after Pikmin. And then a little game called Goodbye Volcano High came out, which was not a game I was originally planning on playing. But 
I was a little bit distraught to learn that the game basically released no fanfare. Uh, and I just kind of felt compelled to be like, you know what? Maybe as somebody who lives in the city of Montreal, I should check it out, considering that co-op, the development studio behind this game, spelt C-O underscore O-P, is a Montreal-based developer. In fact, there actually have been some like game jam, like game night showcase events I've been to in the past where co-op has actually been present showing off their games. I don't know any of the people that work for the studio like personally, but I kind of feel compelled and connected to them in that way. Uh, so I decided to go and pick up Goodbye Volcano High. And this was like, I was really like diving into the unknown because there were literally no reviews out for this game for like the first like 24, 48 hours. Um, first two hours, I was really not feeling this game. This is what I wrote on Twitter. 2.5 hours in, and Goodbye Volcano High feels like watching an assembly cut of a good movie. All the pieces of a great game are in here. Interesting characters, beautiful artwork, relatable teenage angst, but every scene lingers for too long. Every line of dialogue lacks oomph. Uh, it's a perfectly competent game. It's not fundamentally broken or awful in the way that some of us were fearing it might be given its weirdly quiet release, but it's lacking that extra layer of sheen one would expect out of a game first revealed in one of Sony's flagship live streams. Again, I just sort of described it, but like, I really want to drive home that during the first couple of hours of this game, like the game moves at such a weird pace. Um, I alluded to it earlier in the Venba episode that we did, but this game is a visual novel, but not exactly a visual novel in the way you might be thinking of it. It's almost better to think of this game as being like a cartoon animated series that has brief moments of interaction in it, in which you're watching these dinosaurs that go to this volcano high school uh kind of like form up a band together form relationships with each other uh and eventually you know contend with the end of the world spoiler alert and a lot of those early scenes in the game like it just it almost like it's almost like you can see in real time the game's engine chugging and like not like progressing through scenes as quickly as it should go. And so the whole thing just feels like weird and slow paced. And on top of that, the story just doesn't have a lot of great tension during those early chapters. I was expecting to come out of the other side of this being like, man, that game was just a swing and a miss. But over the course of the like three, 3.5 hours that followed those initial 2.5 hours, the game really grew on me. While it continued to have like visual uh, technical issues throughout, I feel like the tension and the quality of the writing really picked up the pace. I feel like scenes like just flowed a lot more and moved at like just like a kind of much better clip. And I feel like it introduced a bunch of cool stuff in its back half that initially I was like, ah, oh, this feels a little played out that actually really worked well. Um, I posted this briefly on Twitter. The game has a D&D inspired segment in which you are playing as these uh, characters inspired by the main cast, but they're in like a D&D setting. And I was like, man, there are so many indie games nowadays that have a D&D inspired segment. Uh, and yet that D&D inspired segment in the game might be one of the best parts of the game. I won't spoil it, but like it really goes to a place that I thought was very satisfying to experience. Um, ultimately, while I enjoyed this game more 
than I thought I was going to by the time that the credits rolled. I am going to be holding off, however, on playing it again, even though there's a lot of new content for me to discover if I make different choices, because this game's trophy list is entirely bugged. Boo! Um, Zero out of ten. I earned maybe like two or three trophies while I played it through the first time around. And according to the descriptions on the other trophies, I should have earned like a total of like 10 or 12. Um, I saw that there was an update that was submitted for it earlier today, but I don't know what it fixed. I'm going to have to look into that. I definitely want to play it again, but yeah, at least right now, it seems like the game is not in a great state. And that's what's frustrating about it. Like I said, this game released in a really weird way, didn't get the reviews it needed, the groundswell of support right up front. And it's like, I want to say definitively on this podcast, go and check this game out. Go and show co-op the love and support that they deserve. But like, at least if you're playing on PlayStation and you really care about trophies, I can't say absolutely to go out and do that. But ultimately, it's up to you. It's your call. How long was that playthrough? It was in total about six slash seven hours. Not too long. I can, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I was like, all right, I promised I would play Alan Wake. I'll definitely go and play Alan Wake right now. Was Wait, surprised to discover. Yes. Who did you who did you promise? <laughs> promise myself. Okay. Promise okay. myself that I wouldn't self put off another one of these. Yeah, exactly. Uh, went and looked into my game library, was surprised to discover I had already at some point in the past either purchased or been given Alan Wake Remastered. I guess at some point it had been made available as a free PlayStation Plus game and I redeemed it uh, through that means. Um, oh, the remastered version too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Had a lot of fun with this game. It was great to go back to the like quote unquote old era of PlayStation 3, 360 uh, action adventure games. Visually, the game holds up really well. I mean, they probably did a lot of polishing for the remaster, and so that probably helped things a lot. But man, like it is so both from a gameplay standpoint and from a visual standpoint, satisfying to like activate flares in that game and just see enemies sort of crumble under its light. Uh, and there's just a lot of like really great moments and sequences in that game. The rock concert, for example, where you're just like blasting enemies while crazy ass music plays around you. Story's a little all over the place. Um, there's some great moments of writing and the story within a story that Alan Wake is writing that's telling the events of the game is great. But then there's also some weird moments like the kind of sexist moment in the well-lit room where I don't know if you remember this game. You guys previously played it as part of Barf a couple of years ago. But there's like this really weird moment where Alan Wake tells his editor like, yeah, go and disarm the policewoman so that I can go off to the final level of the game. And speaking of which, that final level far too long and far too boring not great uh i am curious chad you know I, I went and listened to the barf episode that you guys recorded for alan wake when you played it back in 2020 and it seemed at the time that you were really unhappy of the fact that you were pulled away to play alan wake when you could have been playing more the last of us part two oh, do you yeah, feel yeah. like in the absence of The Last of Us Part Two, you would have enjoyed this game a little bit more. I think what killed or it for me was the writing. Like it was, it was the hokiest writing with the worst delivery, the worst voice, voice acting, and it was that's what completely took me out of it. And I don't think that would change. Although, being next to like one of the 
the most well-written games of all time, The Last of Us Part Two, with incredibly sure. great humanistic dialogue that sounds like it's coming from a real person instead of some hokey narrator. Um, there's a very slim chance that I would enjoy it more the second time, three years removed. Hmm. And in any case, you know, I was really happy to play through that game. I'm definitely excited for Alan Wake 2 now because for all the things that I didn't love about Alan Wake 1, like I've played enough of Remedy's recent games to know that they've really improved upon that stuff and they're probably going to knock it out of the park with 2. Yeah, uh, I'm after that, I think I trust Remedy so much more now exactly. after Quantum Break and then seeing how they improved on Control and just like, all right, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll play Alan Wake 2. After that, I decided to go and finish up Pokemon Unova Emerald. This is the Pokemon ROM hack I talked about from a couple of weeks back, where basically it's the region of Pokemon Emerald, the third generation game, but with like Pokemon from black and white. Um, I actually had a lot of technical issues with this game. You might remember how um, I purchased uh, this Game Boy Advance cart called an Easy Flash Omega that basically mm -hmm. I could load up with a, an SD card and use that to play the ROM, ROM hack on it. Um, the data, the save data on the Easy Flash Omega started getting corrupted, uh, but it was really weird because I would transfer the save data over to my computer and it would work fine when it would attempt to play the game on an emulator over there. And so after a lot of troubleshooting and a lot of save wiping and data wiping and whatnot, I just decided I'm just going to beeline to the end of this game on my MGBA um, emulator on my computer. Um, Final Elite Four challenges of that game, really satisfying. Uh, Jaizu, who's the person that created this ROM hack, did a really good job with it. Because um, of the technical technical issues, so I don't think I'll be playing much more of the post-game content. But he makes good stuff. By all means, if you're interested in them Pokemon ROM hacks, go check him out on Twitter. And... Finally, lost but not least, lost but not least, last but not least. <laughs> I'm found. <laughs> lost and found. I played and beat Spider-Man Miles Morales. Now, at the top of this segment, you were like, yeah, cozy here, going out and playing games that are uh, assigned to us as bar for this month. So around the time that we were formulating the barf poll for this month, I looked ahead at what I wanted to play next. And I was like, you know what? You know what? I'm in the mood for something a little bit more big budget. I'm in the mood for something with a little bit more of that cinematic flair. And Spider-Man Miles Morales is sitting here right in front of me. And it's a game that I want to play sooner rather than later because I don't want to play this super close to Spider-Man 2 and then feel spidered out yeah. uh, by the time that I get to it. <laughs> Um, and here's the thing. Too many Spider-Man. Normally, if you, just wanna, Spider <laughs> if you just want to kind of purchase the game outright, costs about like $60 Canadian. However, however, the game is available on PlayStation Plus Extra. And I realize that if I upgrade to PlayStation Plus Extra at this late in the year, because my PlayStation Plus subscription renews towards the end of October, I only have to pay like $4 to do that. Because they do the thing where it's like you're only playing for the amount of money for this year that you would pay for this much left in the year. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, if well, I decide good to... Good thing you did that now uh, and not when it goes up by $400 a second. <laughs> if I decide to unsubscribe from Extra or just unsubscribe from PlayStation Plus altogether just before the thing is supposed to renew in October, that means I get to play this game for basically four-ish dollars. And so 
I went ahead and jumped on that and I figured, you know what, if ultimately in the end, Miles Morales gets voted on as our barf game for this month, I'll just hold off on, it, on announcing when I beat it. And then I'll two days after the poll concludes, I'll be like, hey, guys, guess what? Beat Miles Morales. Oh, so you're going to lie. <laughs> I was going to withhold information. Um, surprised that it didn't win, uh, which uh, was of great surprise to me. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I still really enjoyed returning to this world. Man, we forget just how good the gameplay is in Insomniac Spider-Man games. Mm -hmm. Like, Was this your first time playing Miles Morales? Yep. You didn't time. play it at launch? Whoa. No. Because at launch, I was like, I'll play Demon Souls. I'll play Bug Snacks. I'll play uh, the Astrobot game. I was more occupied by that stuff. And yeah, swinging through New York, Chef's Kiss, uh, all the new abilities that Miles has, electricity and invisibility, great additions. The game has like some of the best stealth in like any AAA game where stealth is like not the first and foremost form of gameplay. Uh, some great like side missions, like some, honestly, some of the best side missions, I would say, in like a lot of AAA games that come to mind. Mixed feelings on the story. Uh, most of the performances are all great feel like a lot of the plot beats kind of happen a little bit fast. A lot of stuff gets revealed in very kind of quick succession. It doesn't really feel like you have enough time to really let it sink in. I really liked... Am I allowed to go into a little bit of spoilers, or do we want to keep things light? The game's been out for, I mean, it's been out for three, three years. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and almost, the second yeah. one's coming go, out, we can go for it. I won't go super deep into things, but I did really like the different direction that the game took the Prowler in compared to how we've seen him depicted mm -hmm. in some of the recent movies, for example, did not love, and maybe this is just me, but I did not love the kind of mental gymnastics. Gym, I, I, I was about to say mental gymnastics, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing mental gymnastics to <laughs> figure out how to pronounce this. Did not love the mental gymnastics that the game takes to try and justify not wanting to hurt an Elon Musk-like figurehead and his kind of corporation. Like, I feel like so much of the game is, there's this evil corporation clearly doing evil things, but we need to explain why it's not good to blow up his stuff. And I'm like, I feel like at some point within like the next couple of years, blowing up Elon Musk is going to be the only way to stop him. <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, we should just all sit down, crisscross applesauce and talk it out. But that's just... This me. is parody... For the U.S. government and the NSA who's this listening right now, we're not going to blow up Elon Musk in a few years. We are not going to do it. You're from not Canada. Gonna... You don't have anything to worry about. They can't get you. That's true. He did <laughs> study in Canada a little bit, but he doesn't own us, thankfully. All we know <laughs> all we know from our Venmo review is that Canada hates Indians. And, That's true. Uh, Elon Musk is not. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that, that was the takeaway from that game, I guess. <laughs> Dude, you play and a lot of yeah, games. That's wild. That's it. Dope. Um, I'll run through mine quickly. Hey, one, Chad, what'd you play this last three weeks? Oh, thank you for asking, Adam. SS number one is the Starfield soundtrack dropped on oh, Apple Music. Nice. And yesterday I was building this like this display case behind me that's eventually going to hold a bunch of Game Boys. Um, and I just listened to it for hours. And it's just, it is incredible. It, it makes me feel like I'm in a 1980s John Williams like ET like something like that mm. like it just make it's so good it's so freaking good um i will we'll do pv is pokemon violet 
the Ooh, there's the, like Boys. this whole event right now around get Mew and Mewtwo in Pokemon Violet. For Mew, you just put in a code and it gives it to you. But Mewtwo, you have to do these Terra Black Crystal raids. And you have to do it before September 17th. And I, I was like, all right, cool. Mewtwo's like the most badass cool Pokemon. I have to get it. And then I looked up what it took to do that. And I'm like, oh, you have to beat the game first and then do some extra stuff. And then you unlock the Black Crystal Rage. I was like, fuck, I got to beat it now. And then after I played like two gems, I'm like, I don't have to do I mean, what am I going to do? When I get Mewtwo in the post game that I've already had to do some stuff, I'm not going to trade him to Pokemon Home and then use him somewhere else. I'm not going to mm-hmm. continue to play Pokemon after I beat the game. Like, So I've relaxed on that. But I have started to train myself into exercising more recently and so i've been walking on the treadmill at our apartment complex and this is a great game just prop the switch up there put a joy con in each hand while you walk and catch some pokemon do some battles do you pump your arms harder whenever you have the joy cons in them only when i'm using primate oh yeah because he's a punching yeah yeah yeah. um so yeah i've been doing that actually and this is a i've now explored enough of the game to realize how different it is from the other pokemon games uh, so in a good way where like it's I didn't realize that it was kind of like an open world style. But I think the last time that I talked about it on this podcast, I hadn't quite reached that point where, oh, it's treasure hunt time. And treasure hunt means go do something you care about, basically. And so it's that time in school where all the kids are just out. You know, maybe some of them are campaigning for like global peace. Maybe some of them are like, I'm going to become the best Pokemon master in the world. And so they really they give you a handful it's very assassin's creed style they're like here are five different like outposts that you have to go raid and here are five different like giant pokemon that are causing disturbances all over the map and here they just put markers up and then they're like oh and if you want to go fight gym leaders here are eight gym leaders and you don't have to do any of them in any order and the pokemon levels will scale to you no matter where you are at the time and it's just like oh so I really can, like, I'll go over to the left side of the map and I'll fight two gym leaders over there and then I'll go to the top of the map and I'll, like, fight this big giant bird and then I'll go to the bottom of the map and I'll, like, raid this fireplace where the big boss is an enormous, like, Mad Max Fury Road truck that spews fire. And it's just like, this is a really interesting way to do a Pokemon game. A little That's bit open world, yeah. which is kind of cool. Mm. Honestly, the performance issues that I remember seeing a bunch at launch aren't really there anymore. It does still look ugly. But it's mm. like it's not broken. It's not like the frame rate is not abhorrent, abhorrent or anything like that. Um, I do a couple of gripes that I have are just like I'm I'm so tired of them including like half the Pokedex as already as Pokemon we're already familiar with. Like if if Magikarp is in the game, I'm not gonna go explore new water type Pokemon or Dragon type Pokemon that I might want to use because I know that's just gonna evolve into a Gyarados and that's what I'm gonna use. And if there's uh, a fucking Mew in the game, like, I'm, of course, I'm going to use Mew. If there's, like, there are the ones that are tried and true that I know are great Pokemon, and I'm going to continue to use them. And, like, I got this dark Charizard from a, like, thing, too. It was like, of course I'm going to fucking use Charizard. Why would I go explore new types when there are the, like, trustworthy ones that I already know? So are you saying with? that you, you wish that the game took the approach that Black and White took, where it right. only includes the new okay right i i want it to force me to get to know new pokemon rather than me making it the same game every single time by choosing the same party because they kept the critical pokemon in there that you're used to so that's frustrating but aside from that like i'm into if pokemon was given 
proper time to make a game and also powerful hardware like what might that look like on switch 2 like this is after arceus being sucking me in and then pokemon violet being like oh this is actually a pleasant experience i'm 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 excited about what's next hmm. if they got like a couple years and like switch to exclusive we took a little bit more extra time yeah here's what we actually came up with yep sounds cool um, we did the Crota's End Raid in Destiny 2. It launched this past weekend, two weekends ago? No, Labor Day weekend, last weekend. Quick um, question. Is this yeah. the one where they said you can't use anything in it and everyone got mad? Um, well, you'll have to be more specific because that's been like the last three raids. They've disabled I just remember people on Twitter being yes. like, here's the ban list. And it was just like e e the, the, the yeah. game. And they kept every, <laughs> it felt like every six hours like, oh, also we're going to ban these things. And then 30 minutes before the raid, they're like, oh, we're also banning these things that you are all using right now too. And she's like, come on. Um, we did not compete for Worlds First because the six people that we could string together in a weekend uh, have kids and lives and jobs and stuff. And so we... We just started on Saturday. We played like 11 hours Saturday. We got close. We got two Crota. Actually, technically, we skipped the third encounter and went to Crota after playing a little bit just to try to beat it in that contest mode, which is the really, really tough difficulty that, you know, you get kudos and that kind of stuff for beating it that early. If we had, we then woke up super early the next morning. Like I got a FaceTime call at like 7.15 from Joel who said, hey, we got a six person. Let's go. And contest mode ended at 10 a.m., and I was like, fuck, let's go. But then we didn't. We didn't end up beating him. We, if we had an extra, like, hour, we probably would have figured it out. But then it turns out the, <laughs> the whole raid is fucking, like, easy peasy on regular difficulty. So we beat it three times that afternoon. No, okay. um, cool raid, though. I mean, it's a reprised one from Destiny 1, but I had never played it, but everyone else had. But it was still, like, new enough mechanics. Like, they had revamped it a little bit so that people who had played it before... Like, we're, it was still tripping them up and giving them issues, so. Cool stuff there. Cool armor. Cool weapons. Papa John's. And finally, the last thing I'll talk about here is Sea of Stars, everybody. Oh, yes. Oh, man. I have made a promise to the world. I did it via the same way Cyberpunk did. On Twitter, I just posted an, an image with a bunch of words God. on it. This is so said, upsetting. I have decided, I've made the difficult choice to not play Baldur's Gate 3. Yet. I know that as soon as I start playing Baldur's Gate 3, like Adam said, like everything's not Baldur's Gate and it sucks and I, all I want to think about is Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate is great. And so I've decided to postpone my Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough until probably November because I have a lot of shit that I want to play in the meantime. So Sea of Stars was one of those. I still got to play Jedi Survivor. I got to play a bunch of shit. And so I'm, I'm making the promise. We'll see if I keep it for the next six weeks. But I'm making the promise that every episode I will talk about some new game that I've played, or new-to-me game that I've played that isn't Destiny. And uh, so that right now is Sea of Stars. And I am about five hours into this 25-ish hour game, and it is exactly what I fucking want from a JRPG. It is, it is this uh, very, very heavily inspired by Chrono Trigger game, and it is a, a gorgeous pixel art game. These beautiful isometric environments with like foregrounds and backgrounds and shit like that. And it's so good. But what really gets me about this game. Well, also the music. Music is incredible. There, it's I can see this becoming like iconic in the way that music from early Final Fantasy games or from Chrono Trigger is. I am already seeing people create like heavy metal versions of the combat theme. and stuff like, So like people are connecting Ooh, with it. It's cool. Fancy. But the combat, everyone, this is a JRPG. So technically it's turn-based 
and with that comes a little bit of like put your mind on autopilot kind of thing. But I love this because it's you can't kind of. This is it has this timing system, which I can only remember ever really seeing in a JRPG in Super Mario RPG. Where is like, Chrono Trigger like a time-based thing? As well, well, it has active time battle, so that's like if you wait too long, the enemy's just going to keep attacking. But this is mm-hmm. time-based thing in that like when you attack, if you hit the X button again at the right moment, you'll do like double damage or extra damage, and you'll get MP back. Or when someone's attacking you, if you hit the button at the right moment, you'll defend and you'll take like eighty percent damage instead of a hundred percent. So it's got that in it as well, but then it's also got these like strategies of if you hit someone with a regular attack, it'll like throw all this shit all over the ground. And if you then go to attack with a second person, you can choose to absorb all that shit to basically bolster your moves and make it harder or make it like empowered with the solar attribute or empowered with the moon or whatever it might be that your character is using. And so it's like, there's so much strategy in it. But then on top of that, there's even these, like the enemies that you're fighting will often have like bigger, more powerful moves that they'll use. And they'll telegraph that usually by one or two turns. And so there's a a countdown where it's like, cool, in order to interrupt me doing this, I need to be hit by one blunt attack, one sharp attack and a solar attack. And so you're like, okay, how do I get that in two turns so that this guy doesn't go? And then you you break that and it's great. Or there are like five enemies and three of them have this counter on them. And like, which one of these do I want to go after right? Which one of these can I accomplish in the two turns that are needed? And then which one's going to be the worst attack that I want to try and interrupt? So it, it takes that regular JRPG turn-based combat and just makes it so much more engaging. So I'm loving it. And the story's cool. The characters are really great. You're playing as basically these twins, this boy and this girl twin, uh, who are what they call solstice warriors. And so you're like destined to have this magic that's aligned with the sun and the moon for each of you. Also, what I really like about it right off the bat, the sister is the one who like has these is technically stronger, like physically stronger. Um, so like, I think that's really cool too. Um, and then you you have a third companion and maybe more along the way that I haven't seen yet. But it's like, it's really cool. Really, really enjoying this game. And it's exactly like I was itching to play other Final Fantasy games. I know I've said that a thousand times. I know you're like, oh, I've got four Final Fantasy seven games to play. It's and Jesus now Christ. I'm like, fuck, this is what I want. It is a modern, polished, Chrono Trigger inspired like, turn-based RPG. And it's, it's fantastic. So it's also, game. it Pretty is strong. on PlayStation Plus Extra and Game Pass mm-hmm. right now. So, like, lots yeah, of great okay. ways to play it included with a subscription you might have. This game is not currently on my list of games I want to complete before the end of the year. Do you think I need to? When if I want to. When you know, Adam asked us, like, yeah. When Adam asked us on the Venba review, like, do you think Venba is in the conversation for Indie Game of the Year? I was like, in my brain, I was like, fuck no, because Sea of Stars is going to take it. Because Sea of Stars is just excellent. Hmm. Okay. So... Okay. If that's so, your yes. type of game, I, I assume, Alex, that you are kind of into JRPGs and like you enjoy playing them. But if that's your type of game, yeah, I, absolutely go for it. The thing is, is I am, but like it's complicated because like I've played a lot of Pokemon games and I've also played a lot of Final Fantasy games. But my Final Fantasy games tend to be a, a little bit more from the newer era. Like I haven't played like a lot of like old school, like 16 bit Final Fantasy games. I did play a lot of Secret of Mana back in the day, but I actually never beat it and I don't feel compelled to do so. So I'll see. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. And again, you've got PlayStation Plus Extra, it sounds like, for like a month or two. Right. Like, it's a great place to even just the, try it out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Extra. Um, Cool. 
that's playtime. We spent a man, we spent a lot of time talking about what we played. Let's move on and talk about a couple of quests in our quest log. All about PlayStation Portal handheld, says Chris Scullion at VGC. I'm going to skip a lot of this stuff because we've already talked about like what it is, but we officially mm -hmm. know now it's coming out November 15th. It is going to cost $199.99 in freedom money, and Chad has already pre-ordered it. So, of course you did. We already, we already know that, or we now know that information. No, we already knew that was going to happen regardless. <laughs> <laughs> this... this console's lack of Bluetooth connectivity is the oh, only right. thing that prevents me from wanting to get it myself. If I receive this as a gift come Christmas or my birthday, I will gladly accept it. That last little bit is what prevents me from wanting to get it. Because like I'm in a household with three other people. I don't want them hearing me just hacking people's heads off in God of War or what <laughs> have you yeah. uh, out of earshot. So... Yeah, that, that that was like the one little thing that made me go, maybe I'll hold off on this. It does have a headphone jack, but I'm not the kind of person that will ever carry around wired headphones again. So mm. that doesn't work Same. for me. But I, if I wasn't already interested in getting the PlayStation Link earbuds, like I'm, I think I'm going to get those anyway just for raiding and playing Destiny with, with the, the crew then yeah, that would have been a big no-no for me. Like if I can't play this thing with audio without it playing out loud and speakers. And honestly, what I'm looking to do, I'm I'm probably going to spend maybe three, three and a half-ish weeks home for Christmas. And instead of playing, mm -hmm. bringing my PlayStation 5, I think this is what I'm going to bring instead. So I'll be able to, that's my main use case right now for it. That's my way of justifying the purchase that I've made and coming on November 15th. Uh, the go. way that they have, I'll read the official quotes here because these are like them justifying it to you. PlayStation Portal is the perfect device for gamers and households where they might need to share their living room TV or simply want to play PS5 games in another room of the house. Is it? <laughs> PlayStation Portal will connect remotely to your PS5 over Wi-Fi, so you'll be able to swiftly jump from playing on your PS5 to your PlayStation Portal. It can play supported games that are installed on your PS5 console and use the DualSense controller. That's also wild that like, it can only play games that you can remote play, which does not include everything. Like if you're streaming games via PlayStation Plus, you cannot stream that to your PlayStation and then remote play that from the portal. Like that's just straight up, it's a, you can't do it. Let yeah. alone streaming I, it directly to the, to the device, which is also not possible. Yeah. I Whenever they actually did previews of it, I'm like, okay, the device makes sense. I don't think it's a bad device. I think everything there is cool. It's just that... $200, I think it was way too much. And then on top of, if you want to listen to it, you got to spend a minimum $150 for another headset. I'm like, I like the idea of it, but I said, like, if this thing's $200, like, there's a 0% chance I ever touch this thing. And they're like, it's $200. I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, again, I think the idea is cool. I just, that's a, that's a lot of money for this very specific use case. But like, if you're, I mean, you already know if you're into the idea of a remote, like you, you're like, I'm going to turn on my PS5 at home and go travel for, you know, two or three weeks. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I just like, I would not, I would not use it enough to justify $350 for me to use it with the headphones. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens post launch because it technically is, it's is a, it's a, I think $80 dual sense controller, I think is what they cost with an Android tablet in between. And so mm -hmm. because it is specifically an Android tablet, like there's talk that like, oh yeah, people are probably going to hack this right off the bat and turn it into a Steam Deck or allow you to download games somehow or put Linux on it or something like that and like let you play Microsoft xCloud games on it somehow. So like it'll be interesting to see what this turns into once people get it in their hands. Oh yeah, someone's going to have a lot of fun being like, 
like day one it comes out and someone's like playing Starfield on Cloud on their fucking yeah, PlayStation Portal. Exactly. 100% it's going to happen. It'll be fun. Instead, I'm oh, sorry, insert he's already dead gif from The Simpsons here. <laughs> Wesley Yinpool at IGN. The ESA, Entertainment Software Association, has said that E3 2024 definitely will not take place at the show's traditional home at the Los Angeles Convention Center, casting doubt on the future of the event. While the ESA insists a 2024 E3 event may still take place, GamesIndustry.biz reported that trade body that reported that the trade body is working on a complete reinvention of E3 for 2025. Events company ReadPop, which operates operates PAX in the US and EGX in the UK, partnered with the ESA on E3 2023, which never materialized, and ReadPop has now walked away from the ESA in what was described as a mutual decision. In a statement, Read Pop's games boss uh, Kyle Marzenkish said, "We've enjoyed work. We have enjoyed our time working with the ESA and appreciate their commitment to the games industry as a whole. While we will not be involved in the future of E3, we look forward to seeing its evolution and where the ESA takes it." In June, the LA Tourism Board of Commissioners served notice E3 2024 and 2025 were canceled. At the time, the ESA had said no decision had been made. Just let it die. Let it oh, die. Chad. It is dead. It is. ESA needs to come to terms with the fact that it is dead. We have heard the terms reinventing E3 or whatever they're, they're saying, like a complete reinvention. We've heard that every year for the last like three years, and it never pans out, and nobody wants it, and just kill it. Just I mean, here's the it. problem is that Jeff is doing good stuff. Like he did Summer Game Fest, and everyone was like, oh, this is full. This is fun. And then the fact that they made a deal with Pop. And then, like, six months later, like, never mind. And again, I just went to PAX West. PAX West was great. So I just think E3 is, like, not a thing that probably makes financial sense. Yeah. Like, to getting people on board to paying that money to do that. And it's just, like, outside of a name. But at this point, the name is so old. Like, who gives a shit, right? It'd be different if it's been, like, a year. At, by the time they could potentially do it, let's say 2025, because they said not 2024. We would not have had a, an, a proper E3 for what? Six four, years. Four, five, six. 2019 is the last one, right? Because 2020 is what remember. we were going to go to, me and Holden, and yeah. then it got canceled. And then I don't I think like it's come back since. Someone can double check me. Wasn't there one in 2021? Because I remember like Square Enix showed off Guardians of the Galaxy. and But I don't there know if that was. was E3 or is that just people doing stuff? Yeah, that, that was that was E3. It was just real weird. Because that was the oh, one. Right. Yeah, there was, was it Greg one. Miller that hosted that one? Am I mistaken? That's right. He hosted it. Him and Golden Boy hosted right, yeah. it, and then it died immediately afterwards. And that's then E3 right. 2022 so, was going to happen and then got canceled. 2023 so got canceled, been, yeah. It'll have been five or six years since an in, in-person one, and only one has happened in that time in between. It's done. Like, no one, like there's no cachet behind it anymore. The yeah. cachet now is, you know, if you want to go in-person, PAX is the thing you want to go to in the States. And if you care about video game announcements, it's Jeff Keighley, whatever he's doing. Like, they, they don't matter. <laughs> This is very much a shit or get off the pot situation for me. Like, either figure out a way forward E3 and make a big announcement of, hey, we're back and in this fashion, or just stop stop announcing that, hey, we don't got any shit going on anymore. <laughs> I'm so saying, tired like, of We'll do it in a couple of years. We'll yeah. do something in a couple of years, and then it comes up. We'll do something in a couple of years. I'm like, okay, guys. All right. Yeah. It's like those Oof. girls are always like, oh, my God, we should totally get coffee. We should totally catch up. <laughs> And then no you see each other again three months coffee. later. Oh my God, we didn't get coffee. We should totally catch up. Yeah. And then they're 71 years old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, I'm allergic to coffee now, but we should talk. <laughs> um, 
that brings us to our segment from Adam. Are you shining just for me? Get it? See a star, city of stars, La La Land. Segment from Adam, Papa John's. I love it. Papa John's. There we go. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so I'm doing our Metacritic scores for the month, you know, as we look forward to a game of the year or whatever. Uh, what a month, guys. I'll just go ahead and say that. Yeah. Um, starting number one, Baldur's Gate 3 at a 96 on Metacritic. Highest score of the year? Game of the year, perhaps. Uh, sea of Stars? There you go. 91. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. Quake 2 Remaster at a 90. Armored Core 6 at an 88. I don't, I don't know why this randomly popped up, but Lost Planet 1 was a 79, Lost Planet 2 was a 68, and Lost Planet 3 was a 61. I don't know why that's in there, but Armored Core <laughs> 6 got an 88. Uh, Blasphemous 2 at an 85. Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew, 85. Goodbye, Volcano High, 85. They finally posted Real those. Real quick. Real uh, quick. Here we go. Sorry, hold on. I jostled my mic. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and <laughs> looked that up myself real quick, and... It would seem as if the 85 is from the PC review of the game, or rather the Steam review of the game. Oh, Volcano uh, High? Yeah, where it yeah, has a total... Scores. Yeah, it has a total of seven reviews. Over on PlayStation 5, it's actually sitting at a 72 Ooh, with yikes. five critic scores, which I suppose that's probably indicative of some of the issues that I specifically encountered in that version of the game. I guess the takeaway there is if you really are dying to play this game, probably check it out on Steam as opposed to PlayStation. But I just figured I'd interject that real quick. Not because mm-hmm. I want to not because I want to drag Vol- Goodbye Volcano High. Again, we talked about it earlier. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it at the very end. But clearly there's some disparity across the platforms mm-hmm. it's on. Yeah, good good distinction to have. I definitely take the highest scores whenever I do these. Uh, moving out to at an 82 and Under the Waves... Chad, did you care about this, or was it another game where you're in the water that so you I'm cared looking, about? I'm looking up screenshots right now, mm-hmm. and, and just looking at the screenshots, I was like, oh, yeah, this I'm into this, I'm into this. And then I saw Quantic Dream announces Under the Waves. So this yeah. is a Quantic Dream game. They published it. They did not create the game. Okay, got it. But, so, yeah, I'm looking at, like, this, this is maybe one I'll play before Game of the Year. Yeah, yeah. So looking at this list, again, this is an insane month. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, absolutely. Sea of Stars, absolutely. Quake 2, that's just a remaster that's fun. Not necessarily for Game of the Year. I am going to play Armored Core 6. I do want to play Blasphemous 2. Maybe I'll check out Goodbye Volcano High. But I would say if like five things on this list I think are like, probably we should do that. Yeah. It's a pretty strong month. Yeah, mm. obviously I'm playing Sea of Stars. I'm going to play Baldur's Gate. I'm Yeah, I think I'm going to play Arm- Armored Core 6 as well, just from all the good that's coming out of it. And then, yeah, Under the Waves, I think is probably going to be my other one. Very cool. Anything on here, Cozy? You say maybe not Volcano High. I mean... Anything else on here? Even the the PlayStation version of the game, I would say, is still worth getting into, provided that you know the experience that you're buying into. Um, Yeah, I mean, Sea of Stars, it's definitely on my radar now. Again, don't know if I'll actually get around to it, but definitely on my radar. I will play it by the end of the year, Chad. Do not worry. Um, And that's it from that segment from Adam Baby. Baby, that brings us to Game on Game Show. The Game on our Game Show. We play a game called Game on the Game Show. On our Game Show. Game, 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 game. Turning it over to Alex. Take it. Oh man, I have been anticipating doing this for oh so long. Uh, you might remember that the last time that we did a numbered episode of Respawning Fire, I was like, "Hey, guess what? 
It's been a real long time since we last in an installment of TMI with NPD. So we're bringing it back for the year 2001. It's been a couple of weeks since then. So I'm like, you know what? Let's keep this train going. 2002. And from here on out, I'm making a promise. Every second episode of the show, we will do a new TMI with NPD because there are Whoa. so many years to get through. Okay. And I always have a blast doing this segment. So this is TMI with NPD for the year of 2002. Okay. Uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you, an interesting list of games, some very interesting observations to be made about it, but also some things you might expect that make it perhaps not so different from what you've experienced before. Before we get started, are we ready, my contestants? Yes. I also just want to acknowledge a masked Keaton in the chat. Uh, game on Game Show has a very precise script that, yes, it is the same every single time. No, it is completely random. No, it is Game on Game Show, a game on our gaming show, we play a game called Game On, the gaming show on our game show, game, 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 game. All right. Well, I've also, been <laughs> uh, thank you to Mast Llama for giving us some bits. Apparently, we can convert them into money. Whoa! Whoa. What a bitch! <laughs> All right. What? Let's go ahead it, and bit. let's jump into bit. <laughs> let's jump into TMI with NPD for the year two thousand and two. Two thousand two. What console number ten? Are we allowed to ask what console generation this is? This was. This is. This started PS2, well right? into the. GameCube, PlayStation 2, okay. Xbox original okay. console cycle. Slash Number PC. 10. Slash PC. Slash PC. the Game Boy Advance. Uh, the PSP, not yet, because that's 2004. And we just shout the name slash... of the game, right? We don't say our name. And we have two guesses, right? Sorry, I got Rafferty yes. on the brain. Okay. Yes. Yes. You get two guesses each time around. You can wait for me to reveal more clues or blurt out the answer if you think you know it. And yeah, without further ado, let's get going. Number 10. The number 10 best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is a licensed game. It's a third-person game with hack and slash style combat. It was praised at the time of its release for its epic medieval set pieces and it's based on the second entry of a popular movie trilogy harry potter and the and the chamber of secrets that is incorrect fuck Chad sitting there deep in thought. Can you figure it out? Uh, sorry, Adam sitting there deep in thought. Can you figure it out? I'm trying to think Chad, like what movie would come out in 2002. That also would get us... deep in thought. Knows that he has <gasps> Lord one of the more Rings, Two Towers. That is correct. Yeah. Oh, that game's good too. I, yeah. That's a solid that was, game. in fact, the only Lord of the Rings game that I owned. Hell yeah. All right. Number nine. The number nine best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is another sports game. It's from a franchise that surprisingly was not present at all in the year 2000 or 2001 lists, even in the 20 to 11 spots. But it is a sport that we have seen many times before. It's just that this time... HL 2003? That is incorrect. Okay. FIFA this 2003. Time, incorrect. It's just that this time... <laughs> what is it this time, Alex? <laughs> the collegiate 
NCAA 2003. Dick. That is correct. <laughs> and with that, Chad has one point, and Adam has one point. There we go. All right. Number eight. The number eight best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is the first entry in a series that is still ongoing to this very day. It's a game that introduced the world to a famously blunt melee weapon. It is Kingdom Hearts. That is correct. Mm. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All right, here we go. Number seven. Is that, oh, yeah, we did get a trailer for the next one. Okay, I was like, is that really ongoing? It is. The number seven best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is a non-football sports game. It featured an unusual roster of unlockable characters, including Star Wars's Django Fett. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3? That is incorrect. It got a very belated and very poorly received sequel in 2015. And it itself is a sequel to one of the games from the 2001 list. The fuck? Can I have Pro Skater 2? That is incorrect. I don't fucking know. And that means you're out of answers. Chad, do you think you can figure it out? Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> That, that is, is actually um, the answer. Oh shit! <laughs> okay. How many of those games did they did they just put about one a year? I was, like in the early two thousand. I was like, you know, four is yeah. definitely way off, but no, I guess. I assume yeah, it was like two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. They put two, three, and four out. Wow. And then they, they, they waited a decade. They really just took their time for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Five, and it really worked out well for them. All right. <laughs> number six. The number six best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is another licensed game. It mostly takes place within a grand building. There are no chamber, secrets. chamber secrets. I think Adam buzzed in just Damn a it. moment before, so you got that point, which means that Poopy Adam currently has penis. two points I will and say, Chad has three points. The early 2000s suck because it's like the fourth Tony Hawk game in the last three years and another Harry Potter game. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, this is going to get so bad. <laughs> number five. The number five best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is the fourth entry in a first-person shooter series. It takes place during World War II. Its title refers to a military decoration. The Medal of Honor Front? Medal of Honor... Is it Frontline? Medal of Honor Frontline? That is correct. Fuck yeah. I used footage of that game in a presentation in social studies in high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was like, it's Medal of Honor, but holy fuck, there's so many of them. I don't what, know which one this is well, going to be. What was the presentation about? Was it just like, hey, here's a game Bad of the games from 2002? it was D-Day in the Battle of Normandy. And so I was just like, oh, well, here's, here's some stuff from uh, Saving Private Ryan, and here's the stuff from Medal of Honor Frontline. All right. Number four. The number four best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is yet another licensed game. Yep. It's a game that nowadays is 
basically all but overshadowed by its successor. So much so that most people tend to forget it even existed, even though, logically, it should exist. It was developed by a Call of Duty developer before they began working on Call of Duty. And it's a superhero game. <laughs> I will repeat the clues again. It is yet another licensed game. It's a game that nowadays is basically all but overshadowed by its successor, so much so that a lot of people tend to just blank it from their memory and don't even remember Spider that it existed. That is correct. It is the, the Neversoft Spider-Man? Uh, or, no, no, not Neversoft. Treyarch. Treyarch. Uh, it is the it Treyarch like developed... PS1 or PS2? Yeah, mm -hmm. it was the Treyarch developed um, uh, video game adaptation of the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, uh, distinct, by the way, from the other PS1 Spider-Man game that you referenced. Yeah, that was yeah, a completely movie different one. game. This yeah. one you play Green Goblin was the unlockable character. Like, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. Hell yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Chad currently has four points and Adam has three points. So mm -hmm. we are heading for quite the photo finish. Let's talk about the number three game. The number three best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is a game that stars a silent protagonist. It's a game that garnered criticism upon its release for its graphic depiction Legend of Zelda of Wind Waker. Violence. Oh, shit. That is incorrect. <laughs> yeah, Wind Waker criticized for its graphic depiction of violence. And criticized for its graphics, okay. But then, yeah, violence. <laughs> it's a returning title from the 2001 NPD list. And... It is set within a fictionalized version of Harry Potter Sorcerer's Stone. That is incorrect. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. That is incorrect. Fuck me. It is set within clue. a fictionalized version of New York City. Oh, it's licensed. Oh, Grand Theft Auto Three. God damn, it's licensed. Grand Theft Auto Three is correct. Wait, what? No, I made up licensed. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was not a clue. <laughs> yeah, which means that we are now tied 4-4. So it's anyone's game. Let's see who can pull out on top. Number two. The number two best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is a sports game. Madden 03. What? <laughs> Madden 03. So I said Madden 03. Madden 03. That is correct. Which means that... Adam is now in the lead. Technically, with five isn't it points. like Madden NFL 2003? You literally said 2022 last time, and he gave it to you. I don't want to hear. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It is technically Madden NFL 2003, but I'll give it to him. All right, here we go. Wait, what are the points? Oh, is this the last one? Uh, are we tied? I have five. No. You have four. Adam okay. has five, and you have four. So you and need this to tie. One. Okay. Here we go. Finally, the number one best-selling game of the year 2002 per the NPD group is a game that features a third-person perspective. Its protagonist is voiced by Ray... Vice City. That is correct. <laughs> you have to finish it. Son of a Ray butt. Ray Liotta. Son of a butt. Yeah. Ooh. I just said it. I just said it. Uh, Adam was able to mount an incredible comeback 
and he needs that after losing Knights and Solomon after losing of uh, TMI with NPP with six points, and Chad of course had four. Uh, fun fact: five of the games from this list were EA published games. That's mm-hmm. NCAA, Madden, Medal of Honor, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings. Uh, some of the highlights from the 11 to 20 spots include uh, at the number 11 spot, Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I forgot about that game. Uh, at the number 12 spot, uh, and also at the number 20 spot, I'll lump this in there too, two different James Bond games. At the number 12 spot, Ooh, uh, can Bond I guess? 007. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it was just... 2000. I want to say, is it like Tomorrow Never Dies or um, Nightfire or some shit like that? <laughs> Nightfire is one of them. Okay. I can't guess the other one. There's so many the, of them. The other one at the number 20 spot was James Bond Agent Under Fire. Mm, okay. Oh, I remember the box art for that. Uh, at the number 14 spot, uh, still hanging in there, Halo Combat Evolved. We okay. talked last time about how Halo kind of had a bit of a weird debut. Wasn't like a huge seller, but Nevertheless, it managed to make it to the list twice in a row. Uh, number 15 spot, Max Payne from Ooh. our friends over at Remedy. Uh, and finally, at the number 18th spot, the only Nintendo game on the list, or rather Nintendo exclusive game on the list. Does anybody want to take a guess? 2002 GameCube, Metroid Prime, maybe? Nope. No, that's not That's not GameCube. That's, uh, no, that's GameCube. It is GameCube. That's Wii. Oh, yeah. that one is GameCube, isn't it? Yeah, what's yeah. the weird one? Games. I'm thinking about Metroid Three. Three corrupting yeah. corruption. Is, um, is it? Is it Wind Waker? Nope. Smash no, Brothers? Sunshine. Super Mario Sunshine. It's Sunshine. Oh, Sunshine. Yep. Only that, Nintendo exclusive. There were no game. Nobody was buying GameCubes at this point. If yeah. that, if the Mario game is that low, nobody was buying Game. I mean, we know that they didn't buy GameCubes. So, and that's the end of TMI with NPD. Thank you, Chad. Woo! Thank you, Alex. That's it for Game on Game Show, and that is it for our episode 322 of Respawn Aim Fire. You have homework. Thank you for listening. You get to do work now, and your work is to play our barf game for the month of September. In August, we just finished up Venba, which is a very quick experience. Go listen to our thoughts on that right now. I'm going to point to... I'm not, I'm not taking the time to annotate these videos, so I'm just pointing, but do it. Um, go listen to Venba. Hopefully that'll be out by the time this is out on demand. And then Barf for this month. You all voted overwhelmingly on Twitter for Spider-Man Miles Morales. But that only counted for one vote overall. Because over on Patreon.com slash Fire, the winner was Super Mario Bros. U. Super Mario! I am not upset that it won because I know that on a baseline level this is going to be good like a lot of first party nintendo games but i am surprised that it won all the same yeah same so actually i'm, I'm very excited because i have not played this game i think maybe i've played a world of it with my nieces and nephews but i have it on switch it's gonna be a good walk on the treadmill and pump your arms punching like primate while i play super mario bros U. it's gonna be great uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash fire if you would like to influence what we play with a lot more weight than the twitter poll and uh, you get exclusive access to our RAF game shows. So right now, if you are a subscriber, you can watch the YouTube version of our most recent RAF Birdie that is up for the whole month of September. That is with the uh, Crossplay Conversations folks, Jacob McCourt and Luke Warm Lewis. I don't know why that, that just feels gross for me to say. 
lukewarm, lukewarm. Lewis. Uh, I just mm. I don't think I ever describe anything as lukewarm in a positive way. Yeah. I'm kind of lukewarm on this or like that soup is lukewarm or I get into the pool and it's like, mm, somebody peed in here and now it feels lukewarm. But like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so go check that out if you are a patron. If you're not a patron, we put up last month's for free for everyone to go watch. And that is Pitch Perfect with Asa. And I ask you this per Erica. Erica. There, there we go. go. Got it. I've asked, I've texted Adam 45 times. What is that woman's name who was on our podcast? <laughs> um, yeah, check out Asa and, and, and Erica. Spoilers. The person you think is going to win didn't win. What? Cinematic Universe? What? Yeah, go check that out. Um, that's it. Alex, thanks for coming on the show again as our RAF regular and also doing NPD with TMI and Tim. TMI with NPD. <laughs> yes. Where can folks follow you in your gaming achievements and other thoughts and travel? You can find me over on Twitter, which is what it's called, at Alex Cuzina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. I have a question. Is this, just spark this in the chat, Super Mario Bros. U, that's not the one like Bowser Fury expansion one. That's a different one, right? That's the side-scroller no. one, right? Okay. Right. Uh, Super Mario Bros., new Super Mario Bros. U, uh, and uh, new Super Luigi U, which was the expansion for it, uh, were the... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm realizing now in my head that it's actually really confusing. New Super Mario Bros. U was a launch game for the Wii U. It later got Super Luigi U as an expansion starring Luigi. Um, Super Mario 3D World is the... 3D platforming Mario game that released a little bit later on into the Wii U, and that got Bowser's Fury as an expansion when it later released on the Switch. Okay. What we are playing is Super Mario Bros. U, the launch game that also was later. And there's Switch. a Switch version called Deluxe, right? New Super Mario Bros. Yes. U Deluxe. Okay. I have Correct. that. One. I assume I have that. If not, it does yeah. not have cats in it. If Good. you're playing that's the cat Mario, point. that's the wrong one. That's a selling point. No cat Mario. Yeah. All right, everyone. One. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, here's our usual sign off. If you hear a cat, you're wrong.